In this episode of the Choosing Happy podcast, I get to speak to Sue Knight, author and master NLP trainer. She's an amazing lady with lots to share. All of her details and links are in the show notes. Come join me in this week's Choosing Happy podcast. Welcome to episode 29 of the Choosing Happy podcast. I'm Heather Masters and today I'm delighted to have the opportunity to chat with Sue Knight. As well as being an award-winning master trainer of NLP and a true example of living your teaching, Sue is also an author of several books on NLP, including NLP at Work, which has recently been released on audio, read by Sue. I met Sue a number of years ago and was immediately struck by her exquisite mastery of NLP coaching and provocative coaching. What I noticed the most is her ability to identify beliefs and patterns from the short conversations she has with her students. I've had the good fortune to interview her before and I am really delighted to have that opportunity today. Welcome Sue. Thank you very much. And we've spent time together in person as well, which is a absolutely rare thing these days. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, could and, you I'm tell- su- and I'm sucking, I'm sucking the sweet, as you know. <laughs> My voice has been croaky, so just to keep it going, that's um, okay. So it'll be gone in a minute, but I just thought it might help me <laughs> keep speaking. And could you tell us more about yourself, what you do, who you help, and how you help them? got <laughs> a bundle of questions yeah. God. um what do i do what do i do i do what i want basically <laughs> i mainly run what i call open programs so where people enroll individually usually on their own behalf and i have done those in many different locations around the world in the last two years, they've all been online. Um, I'm currently in India, so it's the first time I've travelled somewhere else. And even here, we're going to be running programmes online from here, but we will have some people in person. So that's the first time in two years. Um, so I run programmes in NLP, which is what said in the introduction, neuro-linguistic programming. Um, and I do coaching and... Um, writing and yes recently recorded the audio book of my book which was very exciting for me and I cycle and I cook and I live in France and I'm a grandma um, so somebody said I hope you're not I'm in quarantine at the moment because arriving in India I'm fully vaccinated um, but everybody has to quarantine seven days if you get a negative PCR test it's 14 if you don't um so i'm quarantined for seven days people say i hope you're not bored in quarantine i mean my days are full with writing and reading and contact and like today so and i'm in a beautiful location overlooking the backwaters in Kerala. i could stay in quarantine forever to be honest it's just <laughs> yeah i remember india being a very I was going to say interesting. Interesting is not the right word. Um, Paradigm shifting experience. (laughs) Absolutely. And I 
I mean, I've come here except for last year, every year for 15 years. And I actually feel, a, I felt a yearning to come back this year, you know, for my, my whole well-being. And so there was a window, you know, which I could get out of France. There was a window which I could get into the UK and out of the UK because I went there first. And a window to get into India. And fortunately, all the slots lined up and I succeeded. Whether I'll get back again, I don't know. To be honest, I'm not really too bothered. <laughs> It's funny, India's been on my mind and um, I've been reading a lot over the last few weeks and the book I'm reading at the moment is based in India as well. So that was... Which book is that? Um, a Taste of Ginger, it's called. Oh, that sounds... Because I'm always interested. I, I like to read to learn. And so if I read like by Indian authors, I read them to learn as well as enjoy the story, to learn about the culture. Yeah. Taste of Ginger. Yeah. yeah, And I'm reading books more. I never used to read or I never used to listen to audio books. They just didn't appeal to me. But since doing one of my own, I've been curious about how other people do it because it was a real learning for me to do that. Yeah. And so I've actually, so it's been lovely actually listening to audio books. I listen to a lot. Um, I used to listen to a lot in the car. So, yeah. So I shall download yours today. So. Good. Something to listen to. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, I would really value your feedback. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You've got a perfect voice for it. I'm, I'm assuming already that it's going to be excellent. <laughs> well, it's interesting um, about the voice. Yeah, I hadn't, I said that to, to a group recently. Um, I, I kind of think I've taken my voice for granted. Um, and of course, since doing the audio book, I've had quite a bit of feedback. And I was in a taxi in London recently um, and I was talking to the taxi driver. And when I got out, he said, he said, you've got a great voice. Yes. And I, you know, it was kind of a, oh. And he said, and he said something even better. He said, it's like, jo you're like Joanna Lumley. That's fantastic. You know, so for those, you know, Joanna Lumley's pretty strong. And she's got a, a very interesting voice. I'm not, I don't know how much posh is her. But they also said when I was recording the book that like some people's voice gets kind of tired. I mean, my voice is croaking, you know, but gets tired because of the way they speak. And I did wonder about that. I did six days recording that book and I, my voice didn't fade. And they said it's because of the tone of my voice. And so that was quite interesting because I was yeah. expecting, because if I'm talking to groups sometimes, I think then I raise my voice sometimes in a not a very, you know, efficient way. And I do kind of find my voice gets tired, but for the audio it didn't, which was, which was a bonus oh, and necessary. I know one thing that you do take notice of is language. Um, could you explain a little bit about that? And, and maybe in the current times, how language is affecting perspective and and shape, yeah, and shaping <laughs> where we are. <laughs> oh gosh, well it totally isn't. Just generally doesn't. It's even more significant at the moment. So I do believe that you know, what we think and the way we speak shapes our experience. It shapes the way we, we respond to our experience. And I think there's such a temptation without a pandemic to think of things in problem terms. Um, 
as opposed to looking at it's, if I take an example which is connected to the pandemic, but it's not the you know the real part part of it, the fact that I am in quarantine, and how many people have assumed I must be finding that difficult and I must be finding that um, boring and I wouldn't know what to do. It's interesting what assumptions, what presuppositions people hold about situations and therefore about themselves. So they expect, I think the balance is for people to expect not good, the worst in, in all the situations. I mean, and I'm really enjoying quarantine. Um, I like the solitude, I'm in India, so you're never alone in India really, but the fact the gates can stay closed and I can get on with things and a beautiful climate. I know that's not going to be true for everybody. People who've had to be in horrible hotels, for example. But it's like we, if we expect things to be not okay, we expect mm. it to be a problem. Yeah, and it astonishes me things that are said on television and radio and newspapers. Just shocking. The, you know, the very simple things like um, the last time I was in the UK, well, the time before us, they said, you know, no need to panic buy fuel. Well, what do people immediately go out? <laughs> so the use of these what, what's called embedded commands. Yes. Just disgraceful, really, that people in those positions don't have an awareness of the impact of what they're saying, that it's dangerous what they're saying at times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can relate a little bit because I spent Christmas Day on my own. And when I do that, I look at it as a, a spa day opportunity, yes. <laughs> but I've got all of my friends saying, "Oh, are you going to be all right?" You know, is it yes. a major thing? But yeah, yes, yes. I spent Christmas there. Well, in fact, my son organised for me to one of his friends to call me up and invite me round. You know, it's like so poor old soul. You know, Susie, no mates. I was leaving the next day for India early in the morning, so I was preparing for that. And it was a lovely time I spent with his friends I think, for a few drinks before the lunch. Um, but yeah, interesting assumption that you must be with people. Um, yeah. Everyone, yeah. I wouldn't have minded. I wasn't even really aware it was Christmas Day, to be honest. So in India, you, you have a new training that you're doing online that you've just written the newsletter about. Can you tell us a little yes. bit about that? Um, we already had scheduled an in-person programme, like an eight-day intensive, particularly for people at an advanced level who might come and do a start of a master practitioner or start of a trainer training, for example. Um, so we already had that in place. And then we were getting people saying, you know, concerned about travelling and so on. Um, and so we thought about making that a hybrid course. And then we thought, well, I thought, well, why don't we do something special, you know, something specific um, online, primarily, if anybody wants to come, they can. But we've now actually made it the second one, the third three-day program, just an online program. And I was inspired by listening to some of the audiobooks. I was listening to, which I said in the newsletter, I was listening to the audiobook by Billy Connolly, the comedian, talking about his identity. And, and I was so inspired by his words and his way of living and how it he lives it in all circumstances and I was thinking you know this is this is the opportunity for people because people are at a point where a lot of them are making decisions either because they have to or they want to about their lives yeah. because of the pandemic 
and here's an opportunity to help them crystallize that. Yeah. So it was reading that by him thinking, oh yeah, and, and how, what unique words he uses. You know, his book and he describes himself as um, windswept and interesting. And I thought, you know, people use a lot of really dull words to describe things in life. And I think it's a time to be exotic you know, and to be unique. Yeah, definitely. These words that are, you know, that fire your imagination when you're thinking about yourself going forward in the future. I mean, how else are you going to live an exciting life? <laughs> that presupposes people want to live an exciting life, of course. Yes. Yeah. So, I love the I love the bit about identity. And as you say, as I think this has been an opportunity for people to really reflect on who they truly are. Um, yes. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes being put in, in the corner, if you like, gets you to question everything. I think people working at home for many people, it's, you know, they've some people have not liked it, but I've heard of a lot of people who have liked it. Yeah, and I have loved working on Zoom, doing programs online. And people thought I, I got a lot of comments saying, Don't we find that tricky? You know, it's not having saying it's wonderful. You know, I don't have to make people coffee anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it's wonderful because of the flexibility of being able to bring in guests and um, people can just join and they haven't got that expense of travel. So um, I think a lot of people have been forced in a way to discover what they do and they don't like. And many have made decisions, I think, on that basis that they don't want to go back to that or they can't go back to that. So what are they going to do instead? So have you come up with a, a, a phrase to describe your identity not really yet um i mean so i'm a work in progress which is the ideal for a program like that because i'm working on myself at the same time yeah um i don't necessarily want a phrase i i am i have got very strong thoughts about how I am and how I want to keep developing. And so that example you know, that Billy Conley gave, that freedom to just say mm. what he likes, which is very like Frank Farrelly, who I studied with when I studied provocative coaching. He said, if you, you, know, you don't have to want to be liked to do this, that's going to get in the way. Um, to be able to speak the truth mm. to people. So that's a big part. And I was also very impressed by, I like watching some reality shows. I mean, I tell people to watch study behavior, but I like them anyway. Uh, Strictly Come Dancing and um, Rose Ailing, I forget her full name, but the deaf lady who was an actress was dancing and couldn't hear the music and yet she won. And her whole approach, which was to influence the deaf community to show that things were possible and some of the decisions that they made about the dancing on the basis of that. But her whole way of being, I thought, was so pure um, and she had a humour and it came you know, through with the way she spoke and the way she used sign language. There's something about her that I really admired. I thought, you know, I, I don't have that kind of purity and I'd love to aspire to that. So there are people who have particularly recently come into my experience, either directly or indirectly. I thought, Ooh, 
which is, you know, it's what NLP is all about, modeling yes. the excellence in other people. Um, so I'm on definitely, you know, got very strong thoughts about that without necessarily having an overall label, which is always a good thing. I don't think anyway. Just talking about NLP, I know that we are having worked with a couple of schools of NLP. What I really love about you and your relationship to NLP is it is experiential, it is living it, it is um, reading every situation really and and you know, being aware. Um, do you want to ex expand on that, on, on your philosophy around? Yes, I think you know, modeling, the term modeling, which is it, people are often, I think, under a misunderstanding about what NLP is. Yes, yeah. big thing of mine here to address that. It is a process of studying particularly excellence in structure of experience. And that may not make a lot of sense to some people, structure of it. It presupposes that we can kind of code with structure, understand the structure of an experience, particularly, not, not exclusively, because you can study how people sabotage themselves, for example. You know, if you know how you're doing that, you have a choice, basically. Um, but particularly excellence. That's the heart of it, to study exemplars and to study the excellence within yourself, which often goes unrecognized for people. But I think the consequence of doing that over the years is that I notice that in other people much more than I ever would have done. Actually. I would never, I notice the structure of excellence in people like how somebody speaks. I think, you know, just coming here, the guy who used to drive me around a lot in India came to pick me up at the airport, even though he hasn't got his car on the road because he hasn't been able, he hasn't had business, he hasn't been able to afford his insurance or his tax. And yet he found a way to get to the airport to pick me without telling me. I was thinking, you can imagine some people, you know, if they say, could you pick me up at the airport, um, would say, oh, I'm really sorry, Sue, I haven't got a car anymore, you know, so you'll have to contact a taxi and he didn't and I thought that dedication yeah I, I was just the same with the guy who is the owner of the place where I'm staying um you know he brings me breakfast in the morning and it's not any old breakfast he goes to a place that I love and it's some distance away I love the breakfast and his attention to taking care of me is outstanding um when you think of places who would just do a kind of good job, but these mm. are people who are doing, even in difficult circumstances, are doing outstanding things, really outstanding. I mean, they're not difficult to notice, um, I don't think, but I think I, I noticed that in people in a way I never would have done when I was younger. I think I probably took a lot more things for granted or didn't even look for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. I find that one of the things for me over the last two years with being pretty remote and on my own is the, the only person I get to critique is myself, which is not always a good thing. <laughs> Rather than critique yourself, you could celebrate yourself. I'm learning. I have changed it around. And, and what I was going to say was, I think that might be a challenge for a lot of people who suddenly find themselves in more of an isolated situation. Yes. 
I think you do come face to face with yourself and your patterns in a way some of the external influence I mean there are external influences obviously the circumstances but you're more I've spending time with self it's like what you do with yourself <laughs> when you're on your own yeah feeling and that's where those choices come in as well about how you frame and your perspective on where you exactly. are exactly and I've, I've used that term frame and reframe a lot you know I've, I've written about my experience of being in quarantine that's a lot of things on different social media sites and people said oh, that's reframed as it's a reframing of what quarantine and different situations can mm. be yeah um, so yeah and it's you know these things are so possible when you realize that you can't change circumstances we influence we can change the way we think about them therefore we change our experience yeah you know, there was a possibility coming to india because some it's very interesting somebody here um who i know well said well you know we're hearing that some people are being refused entry and i thought that'd be great when it's to fly all the way to india <laughs> and then be told you can't come in and i was prepared for that but well you know how do i frame this if this happens but it was very interesting because I did say to this person, she said, well, some people are being let in, but some people are not. So it's, you know, it's kind of hit and miss. So I'm hearing stories about this. Yeah. So I said, well, I'd like to hear the stories about the people who do get in and what's the difference, you know? And I, you know so it's, that for me is an NLP approach. You want to know the best. You want to know what works. And you want to know what's the difference between the best and the rest. And rather than her, you know, potentially worrying me by saying we're hearing stories, she could have said, well, you know, that's what I was going to tell me those people who succeeded and what, you know, contributed to that. Um, that's not what she did initially. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I remember when I was coming to India to, to see you, um, I was due to arrive on the 1st of January. And I traveled to Manchester to get my visa on the 23rd of December. So <laughs> it was the first chance I had because I'd been out of the country before that. And I turned up on the day and similar to you, I was listening to all of the people in front of me being told that there was no chance that they would get their visa with, you know, within two weeks. Um, but I wasted anyway. And when I went to the desk, instead of saying, no, I really need it, you know, can you do it? I just said, is it worth me applying? Oh, yes, we'll expedite that. We'll put it in an envelope and get it signed up. And it was, it was just because I hadn't assumed or demanded or, you know, had the perspective that it was my right to be there. And I just asked, well, is it worth applying? Um, yes. It was a different attitude and a different response. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, it, it's interesting listening, listening as I was traveling here you know, to Dubai, listening to people on phones and things, being demanding and, you know, challenging. And I thought, yeah. I'm not sure they're building any rapport here that's going to get <laughs> very far. No. But it, I same for me with the visa because potentially I could have got an e-visa, um, but the um, Indian you know, embassy stopped issuing them or whoever. So I went for you know, the usual one in the passport, which yeah. had been 
being issued about in about three or four days. And then when I went to fly, they said it's up to two weeks, up to 15 days. And that was beyond the time of my flight. So, yeah, so I had that. So I, I moved my flight um, so that I had the time to get the visa. And even then it wasn't certain. And then I said, look, well, you know, whatever. You know, perhaps I have an agency here. Yeah. Yes. And they said, well, well, we'll do what we can to get this. And they got it through within about four days, I think. Yeah. yeah. So we were flight back again. <laughs> yes. And that's NLP. You know, it's like flexibility. It's being able to, I'd say it's being able to accept and deal with the unexpected. Yeah. Because um, getting into a state doesn't help you or anybody so how to manage state to be in balance whatever happens and i'm not saying that i'm not always that but i certainly am that much much more than you know, i compare myself to my younger son very different and it's so important now with everything changing minute by minute um, in lots yes. of different ways so, absolutely yeah. and it's it's you know, important for health any stress levels are the source of many problems health-wise. So yes. learning how to do that, it's not, you know, some people might say, oh, you know, pull yourself together, it'll be all right, but that's not enough. And that's no. what NLP does is enable us to learn how to do that. It's all about how to. Yeah, yeah. And, and making that, and being aware enough to have that choice in that moment to do something. Yes, yes. Yeah. As somebody else said, I used to train with, Moshi Belden Vice students um, say, you know, if you know what you're doing, you can do what you want. Yes. Yeah. That's very deep. <laughs> yes. But if you're aware of how you're doing what you're doing, then you have choice, basically. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm definitely learning more about how I do things and being on my own so much. Yes. And when it's what works and what doesn't so yeah yes once you know that most people you know you will default typically to the what works yes usually when you've got a contrast a clear specific contrast usually then you default to the what works yeah unless you really want to mess yourself up and you can do that with excellence as well if you want to <laughs> oh i've done that <laughs> oh who hasn't <laughs> um just moving on to three-day training, because I'm really curious, because um, it's, it's about identity. Is it's, it about, a... it's about being the self, you know, the, the, the kind of unique self that's really connected with all that you truly are, without all of the baggage and the limiting comments. That was going to be my question. <laughs> is that what it was? No, 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 that's fine. It was, is it really about, truly about being who you are rather than sort of yes. choosing an identity? I mean, you could say that, you know, we are who we are, you know, with all the baggage as well, but it's like, there is, there was a best you, which is developed, which develops and grows as well. Mm. And which we can be from time to time, maybe sometimes not as often, or not as fully or not as richly as we would wish. And it's how do we be that? And how do we discover how that is? Uh, and maintain and be that and live live that way. You know, mm. so rather so it is about letting go of baggage and 
patterns and limiting ways of thinking and speaking and behaving so that yeah. we can be ourselves, be, you know, I say be at one with ourselves, which is the most, really, theoretically, it's the easiest way to be. There isn't the choice that people seem to find easy. Um, but it's the most successful way to be, whatever you, however you find success. I think personally, I found the struggle with being myself because there's been a demand to be who other people expect me to be. So um, obviously being on my own, that's that's dropped away. So that's been really nice. And I've learned yeah, so that about myself. There often is there is a demand for us to be what other people want us to be. So it should do something, to mm. want to be something. Um, and we do have a choice in how we take on those shoulds or, or, or not take on and connect with you know what's really important and what we want. So it's that shift from being dependent on other people to define. I mean, I find it interesting in the pandemic, people go, well, the rules have changed, and what are we supposed to do now? Well, do what you think is safe. You know, it's like, why wait for some idiot in power <laughs> to tell you, <laughs> you know, that well, now, you know, I mean, you've seen the ludicrous nature of the rulings that have come in the UK and the lack of adherence to those rulings, you know, themselves. Yeah. So, you know, why do people complain about that and just instead just say, well, I know what I need to do to keep myself safe. Um, I think if there was an underlying positive for me about all of this is that call back to pure responsibility for yourself. Yes. I just think, well, why wait? I mean, that's a strong path for me, though. It's like, I think even when we were thinking about this program um, in India, I hope he doesn't mind me saying, but you know, my colleague uh, Ramesh and running with it said, "Well, should we ask people what they want?" I said, "Absolutely not," (laughs) 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 because people don't know what they don't know what they need. Do what is important to us. Yes. If you take Billy Connolly, who's such a has been such a wild, you know, an extreme character in his appearance and his his whole way of behaving and people love him for who he is and there's people who don't but you know mm. people are drawn to him for who he is not for what he thinks he should be or yeah. what he doesn't go out and ask people what do they want in terms of comedy he just is himself that's the key you know it's the the old um, um the film you know build a field and they will come you don't wait for them to come and then build the field that's the whole thing about building this cricket field yeah yeah. You create space and then the people who are drawn to what you represent. And the more connected you are with that, the more alive you are, the more they will come. It's not the other way around. Yeah, I, I can completely relate to that in terms of getting my online business because I know that the, the, the big failure on my part is to choose a space choose a niche choose an audience choose what I want to teach and I spent too much time asking and trying to look at the feedback to see where the audience is and uh, it doesn't work <laughs> yeah it just doesn't work then you, you put yourself in a total you know sort of bind then because yes. they're going to have different views what you're going to do you know some people think their views aren't big no just do what you want <laughs> it's so much easier 
and it's taken me that's you know the the podcast is what I want um it's not got a huge audience it's getting there and the the more I do it the more I open up so it's a constant learning for yes. me about being me if you, if you take your mind off what size is the audience and you just do what you love and you go did I enjoy that was that yeah. yeah then the other things whatever is appropriate will come with that you know, whereas if you, you know well, i've got to get so many people on a program or i have to have this size of audience or i have to have this many followers it's the wrong place to put mm. your attention to yeah it's it's if that's the, that backfires that, that kind of folds in on itself yeah yeah i i haven't been doing that at all i've just been producing what what i felt was important to say at the time so. right if yeah. you feel good about it you do more of what you feel good about yeah. and do less of the what you don't feel good about <laughs> seems to going back to that rose in the dancing strictly come dancing she said i don't it's not important to me whether i win um i want to know that i'm being an example for other deaf, deaf people in the world to show that if I can dance, you know, without being able to hear the music, that you can do anything, basically. And we're achieving that. And she was saying this when she's reached, I think, the quarterfinals of this thing. And she said, I'm achieving that. You know, it's not, it's not about winning this glitter ball. She, and then she did go on and win the glitter ball. Um, so that's, you know, it's like what, we're, what we have to get. Yes. Get in the way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, and one of the things I'm learning about the podcast is that I love interviewing, yet I've resisted doing that on the advice of other people who've said there's too many interviewing podcasts out there. And I'm thinking, well, actually, I love that the most. I enjoy it the most. So it's something I'm doing more of this year. To yes, and you'll have a unique way of doing it. Yes. You know, and for example, I mean, you are, you're interviewing me and you're interviewing me on the basis of knowing me spent time with me, knowing what NLP is. There's a lot of people who do interviews and they haven't got a focus about what the person does. I mean, I've had some dreadful ones. And you think, honestly, why are you asking me this? You know, it's a ridiculous <laughs> question. Um, whereas you're coming from a very informed place to yeah. do this. And from a place of, although we haven't spoken maybe for you know, a couple of years, but we've connected nevertheless and we continue to connect. So there's things like that make the difference. Yeah. Yeah. The audiobook. It's version four of NLP at work. Yeah. What changed in this version? Um, the publisher. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I noticed the cover's very different. I bit of a, yeah, almost a lots of discussion. Let me like lots of discussion about cover maintaining my style the color and the birds and, mm. and what changed was was that well they decided they were time for another edition and if i contrast this edition with let's say the first one and the second one um it's like my training i it comes from a very personal place and i've used more examples, more of my own personal examples and my own situations in this one than ever before. Um, 
you know, I've talked about things that are, I think are quite sort of on the edge, really, uh, in terms of my own experience. So I would say that's the biggest difference. Um, there is a, there is a, a new chapter in there, and I've revised things in some of the chapters, but it, it's the same core book, but it's evolved a lot. I'd say the third and the fourth edition. There's a lot of similarities. Um, obviously, it's the same extra chapter um, in the fourth edition and different case studies. And then each chapter's got some refinement, you know, things that I've learned mm. about it that I would say differently. Um, and there were some things I didn't really like because the, this, the new rules had come in about quotes and very last minute the publisher said, well, can you take the quotes out? I said, well, they're the pretty fundamental part of the book. <laughs> real last minute scramble for quotes of people who were dead long enough to be able to use their words because it would have taken too long to get permissions. So there were a few things that weren't ideal. Um, I used a lot more roomy quotes because he's dead. <laughs> I, would, I love his quotes, but you know, I think I'd balance it out with a few other different ones. Yeah. Give opportunity again. So are you planning any more books this year? Um, I would say planning. It's very interesting having done the audio book. It was a big learning to do that. Uh, normally, with those kind of books, they'd often get, well, they have had a professional reader do it before. Mm. And I've been asked a lot of times to read the book myself. And I, you, know, you don't know whether you can do that. I didn't know whether I could do it. And it's very different to have to read something, to say, be able to say something as you're reading it correctly and totally clearly. Um, and it really took a couple of chapters to learn how to do that, because um, yeah. you can't make a mistake. I mean, if you do, they go back. That's going to add a lot to the time if you keep doing it. And to say the words clearly enough that anybody in any culture who understands English can understand it. And she's, I think about you know, doing, and the one word that I slurred, or the one bit that I would slur more than was NLP. I go NLP because I say it so often, NLP. And they go, is it NLP? If you listen to the book, you'll hear me say, NLP is the study of experience. So, so having done it, um, and the parts of the book, I thought, this, I didn't write that with the idea of me reading it in the future. You know, there's things with bullet points, and they don't lend themselves to being there, where stories do. Mm. And I discovered that I really enjoyed reading and telling the stories and really enjoyed it. And so I thought that would influence the style of another book. And the one book I suppose I've kind of always there in my thinking, and I feel I owe it to Frank Barry to write about provocative coaching, provocative therapy. There's not many books on that. Mm. He had one, it's a very old book, it's a very interesting book. Um, and it's had such an influence on my own life, my own way of working. Um, and I've started it before, and it's it's quite a, it's for any book, quite a challenge. That's the one I think that I would write. Huh? I was also inspired by Billy Connolly talking about his life. I did start recording some episodes of my own life, you know, having 
been there when the Beatles first formed in Liverpool, for example, you know, time in the cabinet, you know, there were some really key times in mm. teen and so on. And I thought, hmm, I suppose everybody thinks about that, whether that's interesting enough. But I'll give it a go. I think um, thinking about your life and what I know of you, what I would be interested in is how you've evolved on your journey with NLP as well. So how that the parallel between your learning and and your own life as well and how they've both influenced. Oh, <laughs> I'll credit you, Heather. Because <laughs> they have, you know, I do often think back to those sort of teenage times and think, oh, crikey, you know, I was just <laughs> out of control basically most of the time. Um, and but had a good time <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I think I probably have the best of all worlds now in the sense I have a good time well, you know can you have a good time if you're studying people's life well yes absolutely you know it's, yeah. it's not like it's uh, it just brings pleasure and uh, again it's a choice isn't it <laughs> well especially with the provocative which is about having a state of amusement mm. um, it's very freeing to have that so um i have yeah i have all of that can you say a little bit more about provocative for people who aren't aware of provocative coaching yes um provocative is like it's, it's like when you know friends if you were a very good friend um and instead of reassuring them you know things would be okay you sort of poke them a little bit, you know, and say, well, come on, you know, what do you expect? Um, you play the devil's advocate. The term provocative, as Frank used it, was to, he would describe it as to provoke a healing response. That you kind of push and joke and cajole and play the devil's advocate. Certainly don't rescue people in such a way that they find the truth themselves. Is saying, well, they're saying, well, I'm not going to succeed at this. If you go, well, I'm sure you are. You know, that's not going to help me. It's mm. kind of wrapping them in cotton wool. If you go, I remember Frank once saying to somebody, well, not all the seeds in a garden bloom. <laughs> <laughs> that person was like, oh, well, I want to be one of the blooms. You know, so they, they sort of it pushed them to that point. A lot of people who are in the coaching role, I think, are. A lot of people new to coaching feel that they've got to protect somebody, you know, that they can't push them there because they might get upset or you can't push them there because they might get annoyed. Mm -hmm. Well, you, it's important to push them there to their edge that they find the truth for themselves. You know, if you stop them before they get there, yeah. you put a limit on their capability. And so provocative, uh, the metaphor that Frank and I came up with together is it's like drilling for oil. You keep drilling until you find where the oil is. Yes, because <laughs> usually the, the that point is the point that most people keep hidden because they're unaware of it as well. So. Yes, yes, and so it's, it's a, having the ability to say the things that people think but don't say mm. about themselves as well as about other people. Yeah, and there's a lot of humour. It's not all humour, but there is a lot of humour involved. <laughs> Be able to see. To be able to laugh at yourself um, is freeing. Yeah, I, I, 
one thing that I want to bring more of to the podcast because I do recognize that transformation often occurs in humor as well. So. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Even if transformation is what we call nominalization, yes. <laughs> which is a very yes. abstract. <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, it's that it's finding, finding that thing when you can laugh at yourself about something, yes. you can get absolutely. that you need. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. it is healing we could do with some healing at the moment i think Ooh, that's another generalization it is <laughs> and it presupposes you're not getting it i'm getting it <laughs> I am especially especially here in india i feel um, for me i experienced it as a very healing place in terms of yeah climate and culture and richness and food and oh yoga on I the beach that. will you be doing the yoga on the beach that's the question um i don't know actually we we can i think we okay. will be okay. we will be i've been doing yoga outside in the garden with my because i can't meet him in person with my teacher online i did that just before i came with you mm. and that was really lovely yeah i think we are going to be doing it on the beach so watching the dolphins you're not supposed to while doing yoga what we do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. If you had one piece of wisdom to share for people who maybe are struggling at this time, what would that be? Mm. I would say of someone who's handling situations in the way that you would wish to be able to. Identify someone. Either somebody that you can connect or reconnect with. Somebody in your past that you can think about. It's like, what would they do? How would they be? And step into their shoes. But it might be yourself. It might be you in the past. You know, well, I used to be able to handle these kinds of situations. You have, you know, you, you do and you have been able to inevitably, you wouldn't be able to think about it if you hadn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes people find it easier to recognize in others. So like, who's your, you know, whether they are an actual mentor for you, but they can be, a, you know, a, a, an imaginary mentor for you. And so that you put yourself, you know, when I first went independent, um, and I was in really challenging groups in engineering companies and so I do work with this consultant Charles and he could handle these situations I go what would Charles do <laughs> and I studied with Jean early for years and I would often go what would Jean do and Frank Barley I think how would Frank do here? so I have those people who are resources and they're parts of me hmm. and I I step into their shoes and I take on you know, some of their way of being which Freeze, freeze those things up in myself. That's really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for the chat today. It's been thank you. a pleasure connecting and catching up. Yes, it has been a pleasure to reconnect. Thank you for your very gentle and yet um, insightful, incisive questions. Thank you. I hope we can do it again soon and good luck with the training and 
with all of the experience of India. I'm quite jealous. <laughs> yes. Well, I'll share as much of it. I share it. I think I'm probably pissing people off with my posts at the moment because I'm sharing so much of it. I want to share this. So. so where can people connect with you? I know you're on LinkedIn and Facebook. And... Yes. Um, and then there's my own. I've got YouTube and Instagram. Um, they put Sunight NLP. Probably. Yeah. Okay. My website is um, sunight.com. And there's links to all those other things. Okay, I'll put all of the links in the show notes. So. The, audio, the audio book is available in the UK on Audible, but not in all parts of the world, but it's on other sites like Google Play and Kobo and um, Apple as well. So. Well, thank you. And thank you very much, Heather. Take care and hope to speak to you again soon. <laughs>